from the epistle of St. Paul to the Galatians. Brethren, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us have no self-conceit, no provoking of one another, no envy of one another. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Look to yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let, let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each man will have to bear his own load. Let him who has taught the word share all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will reap. For he who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. In the Holy Gospel of St. Luke, in chapter 7. At that time, Jesus went to a city called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the city, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. And he came and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And he gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. As we celebrate this 15th Sunday after Pentecost, the tabernacle candle in the church burns in loving memory of Mary Milton and Baba Broussard. Copies of the parish annual financial report can be found uh, on, the, uh, on the, the tables on either side as you exit the church today. The parish office will be closed this Monday, September 6th, for the Labor Day holiday. Uh, due to Hurricane Ida, our parish school of religion classes have been uh, delayed. Classes will begin now, uh, we anticipate, on Tuesday, September the 21st. A weekday traditional Latin Mass has been added to our regular weekly schedule here at St. Agnes, and this begins the first week of our Tuesday evening, so starting every week uh, as, uh, as the Lord provides priests to, to be able to do so, uh, we will have Holy Mass offered here on Tuesday evenings at 5.30, confessions available uh, at 5 o'clock beforehand as normal for the daily Masses. And this week also on Wednesday, we'll celebrate the Nativity of our Blessed Mother. So we have Mass Tuesday, and then again another Latin Mass Wednesday evening at the same time, 5.30 in the evening. Uh, I neglected that. I, I think I surprised uh, Margaret in the office with that feast. So it's not in the bulletin this week, but we are having, having that feast on Wednesday evening. 
And of course, in the wake of, of Hurricane Ida, the diocese is undergoing the, um, the relief efforts to be able to, to minister to those who are in need. If you, if you yourself uh, are one of those persons who are in need, I would invite you to come talk to me after Mass or to touch base with me uh, at the rectory at the office, uh, but also for those uh, who are able to, uh, to donate to those who are in need elsewhere. Uh, we have, uh, we're taking up supplies, so the various cleaning supplies and sorts of things, they have lists uh, on the bulletin board in the back of the church and on the, uh, just outside the side door with suggested supplies and things that we'll be collecting in the days and weeks ahead, as well as gift cards. And uh, if you can come across some of that liquid gold that we have out there to wear uh, gasoline, uh, that might be helpful as well, uh, certainly in many places uh, for a variety of reasons. So I invite you to, uh, to look at the bulletin board for what you might be able to, uh, to find for, for yourself and to donate for the needs of others. This Holy Mass is being offered for the intentions of Nicholas P. Plater. In the Gospels, we often hear accounts of our blessed Lord doing marvelous things, powerful things, like today, raising up a young man from the dead. And sometimes whenever we remark upon these things, we marvel at the great fact of them, but some hearts and some minds wonder, why don't we see this anymore? Why haven't we seen on the front page of The Advocate someone at St. Agnes Parish resurrected from the dead on Tuesday afternoon? Why don't we see that someone, uh, that a a priest went to go anoint someone, and he oddly uh, did a a bit of of creative creative, uh, liturgy and put his finger into someone's ear and spit on his tongue and spit on his finger and touched their tongue, and they were able to hear and able to speak? who before had not. Why don't we hear about these things? And two parts, two responses. One is that miracles do continue to happen. There are verified miracles that continue to happen in the life of the church. Some of them in our local church, but certainly in in various shrines throughout the world. You can still go uh, to numerous shrines, uh, some very well-known and some rather modest shrines. And often you will find upon the walls little things such as Uh, A little plaque that says, Merci, or Gracias, or Deo Gracias, or Thank You. Little plaques of reminders that God has done something, that God has worked a miracle in some particular way. Often in many of the major shrines, you will see crutches, or you will see uh, leg braces, or wheelchairs. These things that someone used that thing to walk into, into church or to roll into church, but they walked out unaided. A miracle had taken place. And miracles do continue to take place. But very often in our own world, as our Lord had done of old, he has moved frequently from the physical to the spiritual. Just as in the Old Testament, the consequence of certain actions was a physical death, that if you committed, if you committed a grave sin, that you would be stoned to death, or you would you know, have whatever, whatever penalty would be cast upon you. There would be a physical component and response, a physical consequence to one's particular sins. But this was, of course, in, repara- in, in preparation for the fact and the, of people's willingness to become aware that, that when we commit sin, our soul dies. The death of the body was a visible fact of that. But it's really the fact of the soul that our Lord was, in the end, seeking to convey. 
And so too often these facts of these miracles that take place, our blessed Lord desires to bring us to understand the miracles that take place, not simply in the flesh, although they still do, but most importantly, in the soul. Remember, it is the soul that is judged at the last moment of our death. When we pass from this life, we stand before the just judge, our soul. Our blessed Lord elsewhere in the gospel, he tells us, it is better to enter into heaven with one hand than to go to hell with two. It's a simple fact, the statement of our Lord, that he is emphasizing the importance of the soul over that of the body. Indeed, we love our body. We love to be able to have good health, and we lament, we lament when it is not present. But it's more grievous to have the death of our soul, an ailment of our soul. In the gospel today, we have a serious sin, what seemed to be taking place if we are using it with our spiritual eyes. The man is dead. Something grave has happened. But our Lord comes in the midst of this procession with this woman who is now a widow and and now has lost her only son. This was a a sort of a double cross. The simple fact that, that she was a widow meant that she relied upon her son for her sustenance. Now that her son was gone, she had to rely upon anyone else that might be kind enough. She might soon find herself without a home, without food, without a whole variety of things. Because those who had been in charge of caring for her were gone. And our blessed Lord sees these things. And he walks up to the woman who in the midst of all of these things is weeping, rightfully so. And he tells her, do not weep. He walks up to the boy who is being carried out on the stretcher, wrapped up on his way to the tomb, essentially. They're going to bring him to his place of rest. And now, our Lord simply says a word, rise, surge, and he does, and he speaks. With a word from the Lord, a miracle has taken place. And people marvel at this fact. St. Augustine, in his own reflection on this passage and other passages, Noted that there are three distinct times where our Lord raises someone else from the dead. He himself, of course, was resurrected. But there are three moments recorded in the Gospels that speak to us of our Lord raising someone up. One is the little girl who was raised up in her house. Where when the Lord goes to her, he says, Talitha kum, little girl, arise. And she rises, the little girl of twelve. And she has a bit of food, for she is hungry. Our Lord, mindful of the needs of the individual. The second is this one, the one of the one on the way, on the way to be buried, on the way to be put to rest. And the third, of course, is good Lazarus. Lazarus who had died and was four days in the tomb. And our Lord went to him and commanded that the, that the, the stone be moved away. And at the request of his sister, they were reluctant because, in the words, there will be a stench, Lord. It's that kind way of saying, there's nothing you can really do at this point. All hope is lost. There's nothing to do. He's done. There will be a stench. He's rotting. He's decayed. There there is nothing to raise up here. These three occasions wherein our Lord raises someone up, St. Augustine encourages us to recall, are ways in which in the midst of our life of sin, 
the Lord calls us to freedom. Some are caught in sin in a quiet way, a hidden way, like the little girl in her own home. It is not a public matter necessarily, although people may know a few here and there, but it is not something being trumpeted through the streets. The sin may be a smaller one, or even if a grave one, a very small and hidden one, something not deeply ingrained in the soul. And our Lord can come to the house of the soul and with a word raise the soul up and restore them to life. Some have sins that are a bit more grave and more public, similar to the procession of the man in the gospel today. People see, people know, judgments might have been cast, social stigma might be present there in the individual. And yet here too, the Lord can still come and raise up and restore the individual, to restore them to life, to restore them to faith. And lastly, that of Lazarus. Sometimes a soul may seem to be so entirely lost that there is no hope. That one may so have thoroughly dug themselves in and sin that they themselves have no hope whatsoever of a change of course. Sometimes it is we who are looking upon another person whom we love, who we see that they might feel as if they are in that place or we might think think it of them. And to this too, our blessed Lord encourages us to have hope. To recognize that one who is dead and ought to have already decayed, when there is nothing left to raise up, that even here, the Lord can bring something new. No matter where an individual is in their sinfulness, the fact of Jesus being able to raise up people from the dead in a small way, in a veiled way, a hidden way, in a slightly more public way, or an insanely, impressively public way. In all of these things, there is always hope. There is always hope for freedom from sin, and it is this that Christ calls us to today. To allow the sin that remains within our heart to be cast out. For us to surge, to rise, from the death that is our sin, to put it aside, to be done with it. Sometimes they are small things, sometimes grave ones. But no matter what it is, there is hope. No matter how deep the hole may seem in a particular moment, Christ is bigger than all of these things. For us, there are essentially three takeaways here. One, the turning from our own sin. Encouragement within our own lives of the hope in Christ that is able to transform even the the most hopeless of situations. Secondly, to encourage others in the same. Sometimes whenever we see a person who has fallen into sin, temptation may be to to give them a sort of theological lesson of sorts, to have a a come-to-Jesus talk with them, if you will. And sometimes this may be helpful and necessary. But sometimes... This may come off as more harsh than helpful, as more condemning than inviting. And whenever we come across a person who is trapped in their sin, or who clings to it, unwilling or unable to give it up, let us continue to pray for them, to offer them hope, 
to offer encouragement, to extend a hand of mercy, or a hand of love, to tell them about the goodness of the Lord, not in a way that is separate from your own selves, but to witness out of our own experience of having received the mercy of Christ, to speak to others of the goodness of it, to share what we ourselves have already received. And lastly, to take up the words of St. Paul in his encouragement to the Galatians, never to grow weary, never to grow weary. And this can take place, this is the invitation for us, both in dealing with the burdens of others as well as dealing with the burdens of our own selves. There can come a time at various points where when wrestling with sin can seem pointless. I've tried. I've done everything. This thing just seems to be a part of who I am at this point. And one just allows sin to remain. It's a source of discouragement. It's not the same as St. Paul, who allows the thorns in the flesh to be a source of grace for him. Rather, the thorns that we allow of sin within our own flesh sometimes can can be to our discouragement, can make us lose faith, lose hope, not trust in the Lord, not think and remember his goodness. And the same can happen with others. When time after time we extend a hand to someone and time again they fall short, they fail, they are less than what we would desire for them. Here too, never to grow weary. We know that our Lord is patient, sometimes more patient than we would like him to be, and sometimes more patient than we want him to be with us. But our Lord is, is mindful of all of these things. Our Lord was attentive to the woman. She was attentive to her son. She is attentive to each of us in our needs, individual though they may be, specific though they are, every one of them is known to him. He's watching over us. It is for us never to grow weary of watching with him, of turning to him, of seeking his goodness and his mercy in the confessional, of seeking to lead others to experience the same joy that we ourselves have experienced for themselves, that they might know the goodness of the Lord, and together we might behold the miracle that happens so frequently within the soul, a transformation, a resurrection, even sometimes in the flesh.